Chapter 4 of the Aviation Instructor's Handbook. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Teaching Process Introduction Bob, an aviation maintenance instructor, arrives 30 minutes before a scheduled class to prepare for the lesson he plans to present that day. A quick visual scan tells him the classroom is well lit, the desks are in order, and the room presents a neat overall appearance. He places his lecture notes on the podium, checking to make sure they are all there and in the correct order. Then he turns on the computer and projector to ensure the audio-visual components are working correctly. A quick run of his visual presentation reassures him this portion of his lecture is ready. Next, he counts the handouts he plans to distribute to the class. By now, students are beginning to filter into the classroom. With his preparations made, Bob is free to greet the students chat with them socially, or answer any questions they might have about the previous class. Today's class is Bob's introductory lecture on aircraft weight and balance. Using a software program, he has created a slideshow featuring examples of safety problems caused by out-of-balance aircraft. He uses these images to introduce the class to the importance of aircraft weight and balance in safe flying. Then Bob teaches the class how to compute weight and balance for a generic aircraft. To reinforce the lecture, Bob divides the class into small groups and distributes the handouts which contain sample weight and balance problems. Working as a group, the students solve the first weight and balance problem. During this time, Bob and the students freely discuss how to figure weight and balance for that particular aircraft. Once the problem is solved, Bob reiterates the steps used to calculate weight and balance. Now Bob assigns another problem to the students to be solved independently in the class. After each student completes this assignment, Bob is confident they will be able to successfully complete the remaining three weight and balance problems as homework for the next class. By using a combination of teaching methods, lecture, group learning, and discussion, and instructional aids, audio-visual, and handouts, Bob achieves his instructional objective, which is for the students to learn how to compute weight and balance. In order to present the lesson on weight and balance, Bob has taken the theoretical information presented in previous chapters, concepts and principles pertinent to human behavior, how people learn, and effective communication into the classroom. He has turned this knowledge into practical knowledge utilized in the teaching process. Drawing on previously discussed theoretical knowledge, this chapter discusses specific recommendations on how to use this information to teach aviation students. What is teaching? Teaching is to instruct or train someone, or the profession of someone who teaches. Someone who teaches is, of course, a teacher, or, for the purposes of this handbook, an instructor. Measured in number of people in the profession, teaching is one of the world's largest professions. To be a teacher implies one has completed some type of formal training, has specialized knowledge, has been certified or validated in some way, and adheres to a set of standards of performance. Defining a good instructor has proven more elusive, but in The Essence of Good Teaching, 1985, psychologist Stanford C. Erickson wrote, Good teachers select and organize worthwhile course material, lead students to encode and integrate this material in memorable form, ensure competence in the procedures and methods of a discipline, sustain intellectual curiosity, 
and promote how to learn independently. Essential Teaching Skills Much research has been devoted to trying to discover what makes a good or effective instructor. This research has revealed that effective instructors come in many forms, but they generally possess four essential teaching skills, people skills, subject matter expertise, management skills, and assessment skills. Figure 4-1. People skills. People skills are the ability to interact, talk, understand, empathize, and connect with people. Effective instructors relate well to people. Communication, discussed in Chapter 3, Effective Communication, underlies people skills. It is important for instructors to remember Technical knowledge is useless if the instructor fails to communicate it effectively. The two-way process of effective communication means actively listening to the student as well as teaching him or her. In the previous scenario, Bob uses the guided group discussion period to listen to his students discuss the weight and balance problem. By listening to their discussion and questions, he can pinpoint problem areas and explain them more fully during the review of the solved problem. People skills also include the ability to interact respectfully with students, pick up when students are not following along, motivate students to learn, and adapt to the needs of the student when necessary. Another important people skill used by effective instructors is to challenge students intellectually while supporting their efforts to learn. Effective instructors also display enthusiasm for their subject matter and express themselves clearly. The willingness to look for ways to match student learning styles to personal instructional style is another element of effective instruction. Subject Matter Expertise A subject matter expert, SME, is a person who possesses a high level of expertise, knowledge, or skill in a particular area. For example, the instructor in the opening scenario is an Aviation Maintenance SME. Effective instructors are not only knowledgeable about aviation, they are also knowledgeable about teaching. As mentioned earlier, possession of a high level of technical knowledge does not equate to the ability to teach it. An effective instructor possesses a strong motivation to teach as well as a positive attitude toward learning. Research into how people learn has been ongoing for almost 100 years. This handbook is a compilation of that research and is designed to help aviation instructors become experts in the field of education. Effective instructors have a sincere interest in learning and professional growth. There are a number of professional development opportunities for aviation instructors, such as Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, seminars, industry conventions, professional organizations, and online classes. Networking with and observing other instructors to learn new strategies is also helpful. By being a lifelong learner, the aviation professional remains current in both aviation and education. This topic is explored more thoroughly in Chapter 9, Professional Development. Management Skills Management skills generally include the ability to plan, organize, lead, and supervise. For the effective instructor, these skills are reflected in the ability to plan, organize, and carry out a lesson. A well-planned lesson means the instructor is also practicing time management skills and ensures the time allocated for the lesson is well used. As discussed in Chapter 1, Human Behavior, 
the average age of aviation students is 34 years old. Unlike younger students, no law requires they attend school. They are paying for the training, and they expect the instructor to make wise use of their time. To manage time well, it is important that an instructor look at the time available and plan how to use the time to achieve the lesson goals. An effective instructor understands what can be realistically achieved within the allotted time, makes the best use of the time available, allows enough time for what must be done, preserves contingency time to handle the unexpected, and minimizes stress by not planning too much for the allotted time. Management skills also come into play for the aviation instructor who is teaching a class of students. For this instructor, effective management of the classroom promotes learning. Consider the opening scenario in which Bob arrived early for the class and ensured the classroom was well lit, the desks in order, and that the room presented a neat overall appearance. He also made sure the computer and projector were in working order. These steps contribute to a positive learning environment. Another management skill that enhances the effectiveness of aviation instructors is supervision of the students. For the flight instructor, this may entail overseeing the pre-flight procedures. For the maintenance instructor, this may mean monitoring the replacement of a carburetor. While it is important to provide hands-on tasks in the lesson plan to engage students in active learning, it is also important to ensure the tasks are completed safely and correctly. Assessment Skills In Chapter 2, The Learning Process, learning was defined as a change in the behavior of the learner as a result of experience. The behavior can be physical and overt, or it can be intellectual or attitudinal. This change is measurable and therefore can be assessed. Assessment of learning is a complex process, and it is important to be clear about the purposes of the assessment. There are several points at which assessments can be made before training, during training, and after training. Learning assessment is another important skill of an effective instructor, figure 4-2. This topic is discussed in detail in Chapter 5, Assessment. Instructor's Code of Conduct While many of the characteristics of effective instructors discussed in the previous paragraphs hold true for any instructor, the aviation instructor has the added responsibility of molding an aviation citizen, a pilot or maintenance technician the instructor feels confident will be an asset to the rest of the aviation community. The following code describes the concept of an aviation citizen. An aviation instructor needs to remember he or she is teaching a pilot or technician who should make safety the number one priority, develop and exercise good judgment in making decisions, recognize and manage risk effectively, be accountable for his or her actions, act with responsibility and courtesy, adhere to prudent operating practices and personal operating parameters, and adhere to applicable laws and regulations. In addition, the Certificated Flight Instructor, CFI, needs to remember he or she is teaching a pilot who should seek proficiency in control of the aircraft, use flight deck technology in a safe and appropriate way, be confident in a wide variety of flight situations, and be respectful of the privilege of flight. The teaching process organizes the material an instructor wishes to teach in such a way that the learner understands what is being taught. The teaching process consists of four steps, preparation, presentation, 
application, and assessment. Regardless of the teaching or training delivery method, the teaching process remains the same. To be effective, an instructor utilizes people skills, subject matter expertise, management skills, and assessment skills. This chapter explores the teaching process in general terms of how to prepare, present, apply, and assess lesson material. Teaching methods or training delivery methods are discussed, as well as the use of instructional aids. Course of Training In education, a course of training is a complete series of studies leading to attainment of a specific goal. The goal might be certificate of completion, graduation, or an academic degree. For example, a student pilot may enroll in a private pilot certificate course and upon completion of all course requirements be awarded a graduation certificate. A course of training may also be limited to something like the additional training required for operating high-performance airplanes. Other terms closely associated with a course of training include curriculum, syllabus, and training course outline. In many cases, these terms are used interchangeably, but there are important differences. A curriculum is a set of courses in an area of specialization offered by an educational institution. A curriculum for a pilot school usually includes courses for the various pilot certificates and ratings, while the curriculum for an aviation maintenance technician, AMT, addresses the subject areas described in Title 14 of the Code of Federal Regulations. 14 CFR, Part 147. A syllabus is a summary or outline of a course of study that generally includes a description of each lesson, including objectives and completion standards. In aviation, the term training syllabus is commonly used, and in this context, it is a step-by-step -step building block progression of learning with provisions for regular review and assessments at prescribed stages of learning. Figure 4-3. And finally, a training course outline within a curriculum is the content of a particular course. It normally includes statement of objectives, descriptions of teaching aids, definitions of assessment criteria, and indications of desired outcome. Preparation of a lesson. The determination of objectives and standards is necessary before any important instruction can be presented. Although some schools and independent instructors may develop their own syllabus, in practice, many instructors use a commercially developed syllabus that has already been selected by a school for use in their aviation training program. For the aviation instructor, the objectives listed in the syllabus are a beginning point for instruction. Training Objectives and Standards Aviation training involves two types of objectives, performance-based and decision-based. Performance-based objectives are essential in defining exactly what needs to be done and how it is done during each lesson. As the student progresses through higher levels of performance and understanding, the instructor should shift the training focus to decision-based training objectives. Decision-based training objectives allow for a more dynamic training environment and are ideally suited to scenario-type training. The instructor uses decision-based training objectives to teach aviation students critical thinking skills, such as risk management and aeronautical decision-making, ADM. The desired level of learning should also be incorporated into the objectives, and these level of learning objectives 
may apply to one or more of the three domains of learning, cognitive, knowledge, affective, attitudes, beliefs, and values, and psychomotor, physical skills. Normally, aviation training aspires to a level of learning at the application level or higher. Standards are closely tied to objectives, since they may include a description of the desired knowledge, behavior, or skill stated in specific terms, along with conditions and criteria. When a student is able to perform according to well-defined standards, evidence of learning is apparent. Comprehensive examples of the desired learning outcomes or behaviors should be included in these standards. As indicated in Chapter 2, standards for the level of learning in the cognitive and psychomotor domains are easily established. However, writing standards to evaluate a student's level of learning or overt behavior in the effective domain, attitudes, beliefs, and values is more difficult. The overall objective of an aviation training course is usually well established and the general standards are included in various rules and related publications. For example, eligibility, knowledge, proficiency, and experience requirements for pilots and AMT students are stipulated in the regulations and the standards are published in the applicable PTS or Oral and Practical Tests ONPs. It should be noted that PTS and ONP standards are limited to the most critical job tasks. Certification tests do not represent an entire training syllabus. The broad overall objective of any pilot training course is to qualify the student to be a competent, efficient, safe pilot for the operation of specific aircraft types under stated conditions. The established criteria or standards to determine whether the training has been adequate are the passing of knowledge and practical tests required by 14 CFR for the issuance of pilot certificates. Similar objectives and standards are established for AMT students. Professional instructors should not limit their objectives to meeting only the published requirements for pilot or AMT certification. Instructional objectives should also extend beyond those listed in official publications. Successful instructors teach their students not only how, but also why and when. By incorporating ADM and risk management into each lesson, the aviation instructor helps the student learn, develop, and reinforce the decision-making process, which ultimately leads to sound judgment and good decision-making skills. Performance-Based Objectives Performance-based objectives are used to set measurable, reasonable standards that describe the desired performance of the student. This usually involves the term behavioral objective, although it may be referred to as a performance, instructional, or educational objective. All refer to the same thing, the behavior of the student. These objectives provide a way of stating what performance level is desired of a student before the student is allowed to progress to the next stage of instruction. Again, the objectives must be clear, measurable, and repeatable. In other words, they must mean the same thing to any knowledgeable reader. The objectives must be written. If they are not written, they become subject to the fallibility of recall, interpretation, or loss of specificity with time. Performance-based objectives consist of three elements, description of the skill or behavior, conditions, and criteria. Each part is required and must be stated in a way that leaves every reader with the same picture of the objective, how it is performed, and to what level of performance. 
Figure 4-4. Description of the Skill or Behavior The description of the skill or behavior explains the desired outcome of the instruction. It is actually a learned capability which may be defined as knowledge, a skill, or an attitude. The description should be in concrete terms that can be measured. Terms such as knowledge of and awareness of cannot be measured very well and words like this should be avoided. Phrases like able to select from a list of or able to repeat the steps of are better because they describe something that can be measured. Furthermore, the skill or behavior described should be logical and within the overall instruction plan. Conditions. Conditions are necessary to specifically explain the rules under which the skill or behavior is demonstrated. If a desired capability is to navigate from point A to point B, the objective, as stated, is not specific enough for all students to do it the same way. Information such as equipment, tools, reference material, and limiting parameters should be included. For example, inserting conditions narrows the objective as follows. Using sectional charts, a flight computer and Cessna 172 navigate from point A to point B while maintaining standard hemispheric altitudes. Sometimes in the process of writing the objective, a difficulty is encountered. This might be someone saying, but what if... This is a good indication that the original version was confusing to that person. If it is confusing to one person, it will be confusing to others and should be corrected. Criteria. Criteria are the standards that measure the accomplishment of the objective. The criteria should be stated so that there is no question whether the objective has been met. In the previous example, the criteria might include that navigation from point A to point B be accomplished within five minutes of the pre-planned flight time and that en route altitude be maintained within 200 feet. The revised performance-based objective may now read, using a sectional chart and a flight computer, plan a flight and fly from point A to point B in a Cessna 172. Arrival at point B should be within five minutes of planned arrival time and cruise altitude should be maintained within 200 feet during the en route phase of the flight. The alert reader has already noted that the conditions and criteria changed slightly during the development of these objectives, and that is exactly the way it will occur. Conditions and criteria should be refined as necessary. As noted earlier, a PTS already has many of the elements needed to formulate performance-based objectives. In most cases, the objective is listed along with sufficient conditions to describe the scope of the objective. The PTS also has specific criteria or standards upon which to grade performance. However, the criteria may not always be specific enough for a particular lesson. An instructor should write performance-based objectives to fit the desired outcome of the lesson. The objective formulated in the last few paragraphs, for instance, is a well-defined lesson objective from the task Pilotage and Dead Reckoning in the Private Pilot PTS. The importance of the PTS in aviation training curricula. PTS hold an important position in aviation training curricula because they supply the instructor with specific performance objectives based on the standards that must be met for the issuance of a particular aviation certificate or rating. Figure 4-5. The FAA frequently reviews the test items 
in an attempt to maintain their validity in the current aviation environment. It is a widely accepted belief in the aviation community that test items included as part of a test or evaluation should be both content valid and criterion valid. Content validity means that a particular maneuver or procedure closely mimics what is required. Criterion validity means that the completion standards for the test are reflective of acceptable standards. For example, in flight training, content validity is reflected by a particular maneuver closely mimicking a maneuver required in actual flight, such as the student pilot being able to recover from a power-off stall. Criterion validity means that the completion standards for the test are reflective of acceptable standards in actual flight. Thus, the student pilot exhibits knowledge of all the elements involved in a power-off stall as listed in the PTS. As discussed in Chapter 2, humans develop cognitive skills through active interaction with the world. This concept has led to the adoption of scenario-based training, SBT, in many fields, including aviation. An effective aviation instructor uses the maneuver-based approach of the PTS, but presents the objectives in a scenario situation. It has been found that flight students using SBT methods demonstrate stick and rudder skills equal to or better than students trained under the maneuver-based approach only. Of even more significance is that the same data also suggest that SBT students demonstrate better decision-making skills than maneuver-based students most likely because their training occurred while performing realistic flight maneuvers and not artificial maneuvers designed only for the test. Research also indicates SBT may lead to improved piloting and navigation skills over traditional maneuver-based training techniques. SBT-trained participants demonstrated the same skills and knowledge as the maneuver-based trained participants, but the maneuvers were practiced in the context of a scenario. Many scenarios were coupled to the maneuver until the student not only had the requisite skills, but also related them to many conditions where they would be needed. The data also support that when a condition occurs requiring maneuver, the SBT participant responded quickly and more accurately than the participant trained only under the maneuver-based approach. A participant lacking SBT instruction must search his or her memory to link a maneuver to a situation. The incorporation of SBT as part of the lesson is discussed in more detail later in this chapter, as well as in Chapter 6, Planning Instructional Activity. Decision-Based Objectives Decision-based objectives are designed specifically to develop pilot judgment and ADM skills. Improper pilot decisions cause a significant percentage of all accidents and the majority of fatal accidents in light single and twin-engine aircraft. Often combined with traditional task and maneuver training within a given scenario, decision-based objectives facilitate a higher level of learning and application. By using dynamic and meaningful scenarios, the instructor teaches the student how to gather information and make informed, safe, and timely decisions. Decision-based training is not a new concept. Experienced CFIs have been using scenarios that require dynamic problem-solving to teach cross-country operations, emergency procedures, and other flight skills for years. Decision-based learning objectives 
and the use of flight training scenarios do not preclude traditional maneuver-based training. Rather, flight maneuvers are integrated into the flight training scenarios and conducted as they would occur in the real world. Those maneuvers requiring repetition may still be taught during concentrated settings. However, once they are learned, they are integrated into more realistic and dynamic flight situations. Decision-based objectives are also important for the aviation instructor planning AMT training. An AMT uses ADM and risk management skills not only in the job, but also in the repair and maintenance of aircraft. Other uses of training objectives. Performance-based and decision-based objectives are also helpful for an instructor designing a lesson plan. Having decided on the objectives, an instructor can use this information to complete many of the steps on the lesson plan. For example, once the instructor decides how the student will accomplish the objective, most of the work that determines the elements of the lesson and the schedule of events has been done. The equipment necessary and the instructor-student actions anticipated during the lesson have been specified. By listing the criteria for the training objectives, the instructor has already established the completion standards normally included as part of the lesson plan. Use of training objectives also provides students with a better understanding of the big picture, as well as knowledge of what is expected. This overview can alleviate a significant source of uncertainty and frustration on the part of the student. As indicated in Chapter 1, training objectives apply to all three domains of learning – cognitive, knowledge, affective, attitudes, beliefs, values, and psychomotor, physical skills. In addition, since each domain includes several educational or skill levels, training objectives may easily be adapted to a specific performance level of knowledge or skill. Clearly defined training objectives that the student understands are essential to the teaching process, regardless of the teaching technique used. Presentation of a lesson. Research into how people learn has led many experts to recommend ways to present lessons that keep the attention of a class. The steps in Figure 4-6 form a guideline for lesson presentation. Many of them can be combined during the actual presentation. For example, consider a video presentation given during the weight and balance lecture. The video adds a multimedia element to the lecture, is a good attention getter, and can be used to visually demonstrate the learning objective. Figure 4-6, Caption, Guidelines for Presenting Lessons. Figure 4-6, Text, Before the lesson, decide on the topic, determine the amount of time for the lesson, write an outline, develop a flow or order of the concepts being introduced, avoid overloading the students with too much detail, rehearse the lesson. Think about delivery. Is a microphone needed? Arrive early. Create a welcoming atmosphere for the students. Be available to students before class. Set a positive tone for learning. During the lesson, grab the student's attention. Have a beginning. Maintain sustained eye contact. Make learning goals explicit for each assignment. Plan an activity for students. Progress through the lesson smoothly. Begin with an introduction support the lesson in the middle, and flow into the conclusion. Use time efficiently and effectively. Use multimedia such as slide presentations, video clips, etc.
break the lesson up with small tasks for the students to help them concentrate. Move around during the lesson. Students today are conditioned by television and movies to movement. Give students time to answer questions before rephrasing them. After the lesson, plan an ending to the lesson. Summarize the day's main points. Have a final task for students to do at the end in case the lesson ends too soon. Leave time for questions at the end. Treat student questions with courtesy, no matter how basic the question seems. Have students do something with lecture material, accountability, outside of the class. Provide other resources for students. Encourage students to keep up and do well. Be available to students after class. Critique the lesson. Jot down notes about what went well and what could have gone better. End of Figure 4-6 text. Organization of material. Even the most knowledgeable instructor must properly organize the material. Once a determination of objectives and standards has been made, an instructor formulates a plan of action to lead students through the course in a logical manner toward the desired goal. Usually the goal for students is a certificate or rating. It could be a private pilot certificate, an instrument rating, or an AMT certificate or rating. In all cases, a systematic plan of action requires the use of an appropriate training syllabus. Generally, the syllabus contains a description of each lesson, including objectives and completion standards. Refer to Chapter 6, Planning Instructional Activity, for detailed information on requirements for an aviation training syllabus and the building block concept for curriculum development. The main concern of the instructor is usually the more manageable task of organizing a block of training with integrated lesson plans. The traditional organization of a lesson plan is introduction, development, and conclusion. Introduction. The introduction sets the stage for everything to come. Efforts in this area pay great dividends in terms of quality of instruction. In brief, the introduction is made up of three elements, attention, motivation, and an overview of what is to be covered. Attention. The purpose of the attention element is to focus each student's attention on the lesson. The instructor begins by telling a story, showing a video clip, asking a question, or telling a joke. Any of these may be appropriate at one time or another. Regardless of which is used, it should relate to the subject and establish a background for developing the learning outcomes. Telling a story or joke that is not related in some way to the subject distracts from the lesson. The main concern is to gain the attention of everyone and concentrate on the subject. Figure 4-7 Motivation The purpose of the motivation element is to offer the students specific reasons why the lesson content is important to know, understand, apply, or perform concepts of Thorndike's Law of Readiness. For an example, the instructor may talk about an occurrence where the knowledge in the lesson was applied, or the instructor may remind the students of an upcoming test on the material. This motivation should appeal to each student personally and engender a desire to learn the material. Overview Every lesson introduction should contain an overview that tells the group what is to be covered during the period. A clear, concise presentation of the objective and the key ideas gives the student a roadmap of the route to be followed. A good visual aid can help the instructor show the students the path that they are to travel. The introduction should be free of stories, jokes, or incidents that do not help the student focus their attention on the lesson objective. 
Also, the instructor should avoid a long apologetic introduction because it only serves to dampen the student's interest in the lesson. Development. Development is the main part of the lesson. Here the instructor develops the subject matter in a manner that helps the students achieve the desired learning outcomes. The instructor must logically organize the material to show the relationships of the main points. The instructor usually shows these primary relationships by developing the main points in one of the following ways, from past to present, simple to complex, known to unknown, and most frequently used to least used. Past to present. In this pattern of development, the subject matter is arranged chronologically, from the present to the past, or from the past to the present. Time relationships are most suitable when history is an important consideration, as in tracing the development of radio navigation systems. Simple to complex. The simple to complex pattern helps the instructor lead the student from simple facts or ideas to an understanding of the phenomena or concepts involved. In studying jet propulsion, for example, the student might begin by considering the action involved in releasing air from a toy balloon and finish by taking part in a discussion of a complex gas turbine engine. Do not be afraid to omit less important information at first in order to simplify the learning process. If class D, E, and G airspace are the only airspace types being utilized by a student, save the discussion of A, B, and C airspace until they have operating familiarity with the other types. Less information at first is easier to absorb. Known to unknown. By using something the student already knows as the point of departure, the instructor can lead into new ideas and concepts. For example, in developing a lesson on heading indicators, the instructor could begin with a discussion of the vacuum-driven heading indicator before proceeding to a description of the radiomagnetic indicator, RMI. Most frequently used to least used. In some subjects, certain information or concepts are common to all who use the material. This fourth organizational pattern begins with a common usage before progressing to the rarer ones. Even though most aircraft are equipped with some sort of navigational system, instructors should teach students the basics of navigation. For example, basic map reading is a perishable skill that should be practiced often. Another example is dead reckoning, which forces pilots to be aware of their surroundings at all times. Basic VOR slash NDB radio navigation procedures are also perishable and could save lives if proficiency is maintained. Before using a global positioning system, GPS, as the sole means of navigation, students should be taught the basics. Under each main point in a lesson, the subordinate points should lead naturally from one to another. With this arrangement, each point leads logically to and serves as a reminder of the next. Meaningful transition from one main point to another keeps the students oriented, aware of where they have been and where they are going. This permits effective sorting or categorizing chunks of information in the working or short-term memory. Organizing a lesson so the students grasp the logical relationships of ideas is not an easy task, but it is necessary if the students are to learn and remember what they have learned. Poorly organized information is of little or no value to the student because it cannot be readily understood or remembered. Conclusion An effective conclusion 
retraces the important elements of the lesson and relates them to the objective. This review and wrap-up of ideas reinforces student learning and improves the retention of what has been learned. New ideas should not be introduced in the conclusion because at this point they are likely to confuse the students. By organizing the lesson material in a logical format, the instructor maximizes the opportunity for students to retain the desired information. Since each teaching situation is unique, the setting and purpose of the lesson determines which teaching method is used. End of part one of chapter four.